prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Matthew McConaughey on his new memoir, Green Lights, and why I'm in it. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. This is an interesting one today, guys. This gives me some closure. This is the end of a journey for me. Boy, oh boy, Matthew McConaughey. No one like him as an actor, as a personality, as a human being, and this is a hell of a conversation. But beyond that, but beyond that, guys, he and I have a strange, unique history connection. And uh, and I want to I want to go into it a little bit, give you a little bit of context here. I've talked about this a little bit in the past on the on the podcast uh, as a mystery that has lingered, <laughs> lingered uh, for about two years now. In fact, actually two and a half years, if I do the math. Two and a half years ago, I'm in Las Vegas for uh, what's called CinemaCon, which is a um, kind of a movie convention for the exhibitors, for the folks that... There used to be this thing called movie theaters. <laughs> Bad joke. Um, anyway, that was the convention I would go to every year, and all the stars would come out, and Matthew McConaughey comes out one year. He's promoting a movie. I see him on a red carpet. And maybe the best thing to do is just to launch right into this. And I'm going to play for you the clip of what happened when Matthew McConaughey approaches me on a red carpet two and a half years ago. And I think you'll understand why it haunted me for two and a half years until this day. I've got a great story I'm going to share with you. Oh, maybe yeah. 20 years. What does that mean? Maybe 30 years. Which we something with that having to do with us? Having to do with you particularly and me. About 30, 30 years. I, I'm going to be dead by then. You know, you I'm won't. like five no, to won't. 70 years old. No, already. you won't. You will be alive. And we will have a powwow and we'll do it on camera and we're going to laugh so hard <laughs> because it's true. But nobody knows it but you me. Do. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to try and stick to this movie for now and then we're going to come back around to Trust this. Me. So that's what happened. And I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> and until. A week ago, I still had no idea what he was talking about. And we were only about two years into the promised 25 or 30 year eventual, um, you know, explanation for this. Well, thankfully, guys, I had booked Matthew to come on my podcast for the first time, by the way. And this is this is exciting. Regardless of this weird story, this would have been exciting because I have wanted to have Matthew on the podcast for a while. Anyway, I'm reading his new book. I've read it by now, but I'm reading it uh, last week. It's called Green Lights. And it's, it's a hell of a read. I highly recommend it. Uh, if you are fascinated by Matthew McConaughey as I am, uh, and why shouldn't you be? He is, he's, you know, he's that Nick Cage level. He's that, like, he's on his own, like, wavelength. Uh, he's Woody Harrelson, Bill Murray, you know, these types of actors. They just, they're not like us. And I mean that in, in a good way. Um, this book, this memoir of sorts, uh, is full of fantastic stories, amazing stories, um, mostly about his life, less about his career, but there's tons of career stuff in there too. Anyway, I'm reading the book, and I come to a page where, this is like two-thirds into the book, he tells a story about me and him. This is the story, guys. This is the story. 
what he promised, what he what he told me two and a half years ago that we would talk about, it's in the book. So I didn't have to wait 30 years. I didn't even have to wait 25 years. I had to wait two and a half years. And, and it was, it, I kind of loved the way it happened. I found out just by reading the memoir myself. And uh, I'm not going to go into it too much right now. We go into it in this conversation right at the outset, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but suffice it to say, I was kind of, I wouldn't say responsible, but I am a very, very big part of the Meconnaissance, the famed Meconnaissance that was, of course, Matthew's uh, journey back to the top of Hollywood, where he eventually won the Oscar um, for Dallas Buyers Club, and he won the Emmy and every other award for True Detective. That was all termed the Meconnaissance, this collection of great movie and, and TV roles that he did. And unbeknownst to me until this time, I was a big part of said Meconnaissance. Crazy story. It's only going to get crazier when you actually hear the story from Matthew's own lips. Uh, we had a good laugh about it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. It's uh, Like I said, it's a full circle moment. Now I can move on to the next mystery uh, in my life. I don't know what's going to top that one. Anyway, this is, this is a, a fun conversation with a true... Um, you know, as I said, a guy who marches to the beat of his own drummer, and, and it's a it's a it's a great read. So I can't I can't recommend Green Lights highly enough. Other things to mention in brief, I do want to of course plug Stir Crazy, my Comedy Central series, new episode this week with Chris Red from Saturday Night Live. He is awesome and hysterical. He's got two new kind of um, Halloween. Um, friendly movies out there right now, including Vampires versus The Bronx, which is a lot of fun on uh, Netflix. Um, so yes, you can check that out in Comedy Central's YouTube and Facebook pages, etc. Did a fun interview with M uh, with Emma Roberts for MTV. I go way back with Emma forever, so that was fun to get to catch up with her for her new Netflix film, Holiday. Um, the Adam Brody conversation is still up on MTV's uh, YouTube uh, page, and that was a lot of fun. His movie, The Kid Detective, is great. Uh, so yeah, we're churning and burning. A lot of good stuff. Not to mention, oh yeah, there's an election coming up, guys. Get out there and vote. If you haven't voted already, I voted the other day. I voted early here in New York. Uh, it felt great. Get to, uh, get to your polling place. At this point, guys... Best bet is to go there, either do the early voting or go go that day. Um, the mail system, we can't count on it, and we certainly want don't want those ballots getting in there late. So go, if at all possible, go yourself to the polling place um, and drop your ballot, or 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 you know go to the polling station and make your voice be heard. Um, we've got to end the madness. Participate as much as you can in these last few days leading up to the election. We've got to turn this country around. We've got to get this maniac out of the White House. We have to save uh, democracy. <laughs> it doesn't get much bigger than this, guys. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. But it's not going to happen unless you and everybody you know in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and, yes, Texas and Ohio and all these swing states, everybody's got to get out there. And this has to be a sweeping referendum on what's been a really painful four years for the country. And um, yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta turn around. So it's on all of us, it's on our shoulders. This is our opportunity to change things. So um, do what you can. Anyway, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Matthew McConaughey. Again, his book is Green Lights. Uh, enjoy this and spread the good word of happy, sad, confused, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. 
And yeah, here it is. Here's the chat, and here's the answer to the mystery. Josh. Mr. McConaughey. Matthew, how are you, sir? We good, man. Good to see you. Oh, we have some stuff to talk about, you and I. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, First of all, congratulations on the book, man. This is uh, a trip. I devoured this thing. It's crazy, but amazing. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Let's just get off to the races, if you're cool with Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mm -hmm. So here I am, Matthew, reading your wonderful book the other day, enjoying it. Um, every, every chapter is unexpected. Every page is an adventure. And then I come to a paragraph, Matthew, that involves me and you. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this, but the McConaissance, the famed McConaissance. Nearly eight years ago, you and I are talking at Sundance. What happened, Matthew? I, I'm trying to figure this all out. Well, I remember the interview, interview very well. Uh, you remember it very well, right? It was a nice chilly, chilly day. Um, I think it was there with mud, going around talking mud and stuff. Um, and I, uh, um, you know, had been hearing this thing like, oh man, you're really on a run. You know, this is kind of, you're really laying, boy, back to back to back. You're really on a, on, a, on a hot streak here, right? And I felt it, you know, and people were saying it. And so I'm sitting there with you and you come up and you say, the uh the same thing to me well you've really been on a run and right about that at that moment i mean maybe i was subconsciously thinking about a title but i was like yeah it needs a t- it needs a it needs a slogan it needs an album title <laughs> it needs something that's a one word easy fun thing to say that kind of makes you smile it needs a campaign slogan you know so i said yeah and i knew immediately i was like look if i i, I can't it doesn't work if I say, yeah, I think it should be called the McConaughey, right? <laughs> right? So I said, right. yeah, you know, I was talking to a, uh, uh, an earlier interview, and the guy was saying the same thing. He says, you know, you've really been on a run. He goes, and, and, and this guy says, yeah, you know, it's like you're on a McConaissance. And you went, McConaissance, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, you think that'll stick? You like that? You, I remember you go, you like how that sounds? I'm like, yeah, it comes off the tongue nice. It's fun to say, puts a smile on your face when you say it. It sounds kind of musical, kind of lyrical. Yeah, and you were like, that might stick. <laughs> and it did. So I was basically your focus group. I was the, <laughs> I was the trial run for what became. Live. You're the trial run live right there. It's you and I. <laughs> I love it. I am forever immortalized in, in an amazing run, in an amazing career. Um, I'm relieved a couple, uh, you clarified a few things. I was worried there was like a, like a, a board meeting the day before where you were like really conniving and really like, okay, what are the names? We're going to plant this in an no, interview. No, no, no. At least no it was organic. It was- I didn't sit down with the publicist. I hadn't been thinking about it, really, really planning it. Um, <laughs> it just kind of came to. And so this must have been when I ran into you a couple of years ago on a red carpet and you came up to me and you said, I've got a fun story about us that I'm not going to tell you for a while. This is, this I is, assume, this, this is, is that it. story. This is that story. I want you to know when you said that to me on the carpet, it like haunted me. I was like racking my brain through all of our conversations. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? And I'm glad but I didn't I have- tell you it was a fun story, right? You did. You did. Yeah, I, yeah. I knew it was nothing bad. So again, I, I'm honored to be in some tiny part of your story, <laughs> sir. Um, <laughs> but I, it, it does strike me. One thing that, that about that story that I think captures something that, that I find unique about you and your career and your life. 
um, is you present as one thing and, I, and, and, and you, and maybe at first blush, I think some people underestimate you or us underestimated you way back when. I think of the same thing with your buddy, Woody Harrelson. You mm. present almost sometimes as like, if you don't know any better, oh, this guy's, he's like a, a lazy stoner guy, right? Sure. He's just, he's just, sure. he has all these God-given gifts and he's just kind of rolling through life. Yeah. You are, and you talk about this in the book, you are a planner. You think of, you think through things through to the nth degree. Yeah. Do, you, do you think being underestimated served you well? Did you feel that at points in your life and career? Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I'll say this, and this may be part and parcel with, with the, some definition of the word underestimated. I've always considered myself an underdog. I've always, I think, performed better and more truly when I feel like the underdog. Um, if I don't feel like the underdog, I try to create resistance in front of me to feel like the underdog. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm better when I'm having to overcome something. I, it's a verb. I'm in action. I like trying to figure out. I like trying to investigate. Yeah. I either endure something or pivot and reapproach it in a different way. Um, I'm not that comfortable um, feeling like, ta-da, I've got it. Okay, this is great. I don't, I, and when I have felt those times, I try to very quickly cut myself back and go, wait a minute, you're not hungry enough if you're feeling like you don't have, it. like even with a roll, if I get to a spot, you know, man, I've got this down and three weeks into work, I'm like, yeah, I'll just glance at my, I'm already prepared for my work. I don't need to sit down for that hour before I go to bed like I do every night. You got this, McConaughey. No, no, no. Well, that means you're not digging hard enough. That means you're not looking hard enough. You need to look at it from a different way. Don't get complacent. So I like to put myself in that underdog position mentally and always have. And what about the aspect of, of image versus talent? Because I think one thing I also admire about you, and look, this book is like unfiltered McConaughey. I'm reading this. I'm like, I'm in your brain for the few nights I'm reading this. Um, it feels like, you know, some actors, some performers resist the accoutrements, the, the, the image that's placed on them, whether it's real or not real. At a certain point, and maybe it's always been, it feels like you embraced who you are. Like you, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll do surfer, dude. I get the joke. I'm, that's part of me. That's an aspect of me. Was that a journey for you? Or was it always sort of like, I'm okay if you want to make the jokes about the bongos, but respect me for the other side of me too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose I learned and had to navigate that along the way and have learned sometimes better ways to navigate that than others. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've found that in, in life and not just in my image as, as who I am as an, as an actor and movie star, et cetera, and how is that similar to me in my own real life or, or what have you, but in, in life in general, um, I always like to go, instead of going bucking something and going, wait a minute, stop. No, I'm not that. Always go to the affirmative. Well, how can I lean into that? It's almost like more like a jujitsu, I guess. And I'm just saying this for the first time. It's like, no, let me go with that. Yeah. And and re- let me say yes to that. Let me affirm that. Let me com- compare before I contrast and, 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 and own that, but take it and maybe reshape it in, in as, as I go through it. But, but go with that flow. I don't like, nor have I ever enjoyed spending the energy to try and say, oh, we're, I'm wearing this one hat in my life. And now wait a minute, but wait, I'm going out the door. Wait, cameras are on. Oh, now I got to wear another hat. Now I got to be that guy. I, the entrances and exits, I call them right angles of demarcations between behind the camera and in front, in front of the camera. I don't like those. 
Don't think I'm of not, the, the emotional energy just that you, you would have to expend every day to live a, a different but life. Some people, but some people do it and yeah. some people do it very well. And it has been very helpful for their careers. Look, I cashed the check a long time ago as not being the, 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 the movie star who's going to go insulate himself or drive in the three unmarked bulletproof cars and you don't know which one he's in, so who do you follow? I respect the people that do that. I respect the many actors out there, movie stars who are like, understand, and there's a great value in this, to not be seen in the public eye. So when your movie comes out, it's a special event that, oh, this is the only place I can go see them. There's great value in that. But it's I quite a commitment. That's a commitment. It is though. quite a commitment. I think of, I think of, and I'll name names, and it's in a, in a good way. I think of DiCaprio. DiCaprio, sure. you don't know almost anything. You see the paparazzi photos, and you're like, wait, that's the side of his life. But yeah. like, he's great at just sort of. That's, yep. that, and that's he, for and me. He, and, it, and it's neutral. He's got a hat on, sunglasses. Yep. You're there. There's not a big uh, expression that that someone can go gif or write a write a headline about. Yep. You know what I mean? It's it's um it's kind of in the background, and so. People do that, and it's and I admire it. It's 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 done well. I that's just not for, for me, um, because I just that's not where I like to put out my effort. But again, I admire it. There's a lot of people that do, and I see how it's advantageous to, their career. The 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 journey of your life and career is a is a remarkable one. I mean, on the career side, and forgive me. I mean, I come at things as as a film nerd, and I followed your career right from the start. Um, I mean, I think of, I mean, the start was obviously dazed and confused, but the, but the jump start, the moment, and I remember this very well, as I'm sure you do, was the Vanity Fair cover, the a time to kill moment where you, you were suddenly thrust into the spotlight in that, succeeded in that, and then next thing you know, wait, he's in a Spielberg movie, he's in a Zemeckis movie. It was just a run like I've never seen, an actor just shot out of a cannon. What, what I'm curious about is, um, on the set of A Time to Kill, you get this opportunity. You're with Joel Schumacher. You're with Sandra Bullock, who's coming off of Speed. Do yeah. they help you through that process, or did you feel like you were you were ready for for that kind of opportunity then? Um, you know, maybe. Well, I mean, look, Joel helped me quite a bit. Joel Schumacher, rest in peace. He recently moved on. He 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 did. A brilliant thing with a young man who had some innate ability, but didn't quite know what acting was. I'd never taken an acting class by that point. Um, he made it very clear from the very first screen test. I hired you to, I cast you to be Jake Brigance because of who you are. Be you. So every time I go, well, I don't know if Jake would do this. He was like, quit talking about Jake as another character. You are Jake. I remember he always said, you are Jake. Beautiful, simple thing to tell an actor who has a lead role. It's it's actually not. I'm, I'm, it's almost a beautiful, great thing to tell any actor, no matter how well versed they are. Um, and but it was definitely something good to tell a young man who didn't know exactly what acting was, but had instincts for it. Um, who had never been to acting classes, but again had an innate ability to do it. He was always, you are Jake. So he'd simplify, 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 simplify. I understood that I was in a lead role of a major motion picture. I felt it when the studio heads and my buddies, Lorenzo de Bonaventura came down there and then, che you know, checking in. And a lot of it was this, he, he's, he's rolling. He put in another great, another great day's work. He's laying the character down. He's ready. Don't say anything. Just, just, just don't say anything. And don't, don't let him. So, 
there were measurements of, you know, I think people probably in hindsight acting towards me like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to go. Yeah. Don't get too high. You know what I mean? Don't get, cause you can get, you can get overexcited. If someone's going like, do you know how great this is going? You're doing so great. You can start to go, oh, and you're maybe the next day you're playing more of an attitude or you're not as present because you're, you, you, you relaxed feeling like, oh, it's going so great. And I just got affirmation that it's going great. So no one ever really came up and said, do you understand how great this is going? No one ever said that. Um, I kind of felt it was going well. And I just kept saying, hey, a day at a time, knock it down, look at it, you know your man, go play Jake. And then it was over. And when it was over, I will say this, some of those people did come up and go, Whew, okay, dude, did you, do you know what you just did? And I was like, you know, but they did, they definitely didn't say that during. So it was very good. The people around me were wonderful that way. I know you mentioned the, the recent, uh, there's a new story of Jake uh, in print right yeah. now. Yeah, um, uh, Obviously you mentioned we, we sadly lost Joel uh, relatively recently. Can you imagine revisiting the role with another filmmaker? Is there another filmmaker that could tell that story that you have in mind? Well, I haven't had anyone in mind for it, um, but I did read the book. And one of the fun things about reading it was it, it was, I let myself completely see myself as the character Jake, which was fun yeah. and, and it made it quite an enjoyable read. Um, I have not thought about who would direct that. I have, you know, have not even initiated like, oh, let's get the script written and make this happen. Right. But it is a, it, it would, it is something that, that, that would, I would give some, some serious consideration to. Do, do you ever dream in character or about your characters years on? Do you, do you, do you think back to characters that they come up? I know about your wet dreams, which I wasn't yeah. expecting to know about those in the book. Right. What about stuff about your career, your, your, the characters you played? Do I ever dream about those? Um, that's a good question. I need to think about that. Um, not really. I don't remember the last time I dreamed in character or dreamed of myself as one of the characters. But at the same time, I see every one of my characters in my daily life all the time yeah. because every one of them, you know, there's, there's a misconception I think out there, um, even amongst some of us actors who don't even notice it's true for ourselves sometimes that we're inhabiting somebody else and we're being other than ourselves. And the fact is every actor is the vessel. Right. And every aspect of any piece of humanity in the world is in every one of us, actor or non-actor. Everything that any actor has ever done is in you. Every character that's out there is in you. It goes through us. It's we just personally have to turn up the volume or mix the equalizer on <laughs> ourselves of what part of me is, yep. am I really gonna lean into that this character has much more of? And what part of me, parts of me am I gonna turn down? You know, that this character has none of or less of. Yeah, start, um, start with the similarities. Don't start with the differences. Find the points yeah, of- compare uh, before you contrast. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and again, the script gives you that. But then after that, the work for me is finding who that character is in myself and finding where I'm him, he's me. And, oh, okay. To get to, kind of back to, if, if you do enough work and get there and you're seeing your character, as I call it, my man from the inside out, you get to that place where Jill Schumacher's direction is right for any role right. you are don't you overthink are. it you're no. there it's there already yeah now, it takes work to get to that point though because right. there is i have learned um to become much more of a technical actor to much become much more of a choreographer and an architect of of 
my roles and their journey through the story. So, you know, uh, you, you can't really, there's work to do. You can't just say, well, just I'm the character. Cause then you just go out and you act like yourself. You're like, well, no, there's work to do to get to find that part in yourself. Sure. To get to the point where you go, well, I am the character, but that is the ultimate goal to get there and go, what do you mean who there's no, there's no, second person. I'm, I'm not being objective at all. There is no objectivity. I am. And that's the place where you're singing as a, as a, as a performer, you know, your, your dad casts quite a long shadow in your, in your life and in this book. And he was by all accounts, an amazing character. Um, have you played him in a way in any of your roles? Did you base the most, any of them? The, 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 the closest, and it wasn't really him, but it was a world he lived in and a real side of him that he loved. And that was Kenny Wells and Gold. Um, that was a carny little world and a part of my dad who was the riverboat gambler, who was the, now let's, I'm investing in this diamond mine in Ecuador. And that's what, <laughs> they're going to fly us over. And, you know, I'm getting my picture coming through the jungle with my machete. There's diamond mines around here. There wasn't no diamond mines, man. <laughs> but it didn't matter. It was, it was fun. It was an adventure. It was, you know, the story I tell about, you know, uh, Chicago John, you know, he's selling, selling my dad that, you know, my dad getting into the son, look at the $17,000 titanium Rolex. It wasn't titanium, man. The thing was half ass silver and probably worth 500 bucks. You know what I mean? But it didn't matter. That's what he loved, the possibility, you know, and he liked it, turned him on. So he had that side of him as well as being quite the moralist on the other side, but he loved a Ponzi scheme. If he could pull it off, he'd always say, if I could just hit a lick, if I could just hit a lick. And that meant peddling pipe, if I can get a big account where somebody buys long-term account of all the pipe I've got. Ah, right. we could. And he never did hit that lick, but he loved chasing hitting that lick. And that was a lot of Kenny Wells. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a touching story you tell in, in when you started your career and you talk about the red lights and the green lights in your career and how sometimes um, they, they bizarrely happen right on top of each other and how in the middle of making days, your dad passed. Yep. But what, I was, days, yeah. what I was really moved by was what your dad said to you when you, when you told him you were gonna make a go of this because by all, you weren't like 10 years old saying I'm gonna act, you were on the path to being a lawyer. Can you yeah. talk about like what, you, what the conversation was like with your dad when, yeah. you, when you told him about film school? So I was 20 years old. I had been expected and expected myself to become a lawyer for the past 10 years. That's what I was gonna do. I was confident I could be good at it. I could love it. Criminal defense. And coming at the end of my sophomore year in college, about that time where, you know, the first two years you can take any credits. Liberal arts, they can apply to anything. But coming on junior, senior year, your credits better be funneled toward where you're going because if you change your path then, you may lose credits. So I was not sleeping well with the idea of being a lawyer. The idea of graduating, going to law school, getting out, oh, maybe not really putting my mark in the world till I was in my 30s, having spent my 20s learning. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. I got things I want to do right now. Well, I had been writing, as you know, from the book and the diaries. And I'd written writing short stories and stuff. And I had a buddy who was at film school at NYU who was like, have you thought about film school? You're a really good storyteller. And he's the one who told me, you ought to think about getting in front of the camera. You got good character. And I, the part about getting in front of the camera, I couldn't even admit at that time. I was like, ah. But the part about being a storyteller in general was enough of a short enough bridge for me to go, okay, I can, I, I, I can say that word out loud. <laughs> I, can, I can approach that as maybe the move I need to make.
Well, that's all fine and good, but now I got to get approval from my father who's paying for my school. And I come from a family where you work your way up blue collar. The arts? Film school? What the hell is that? That's a hobby. That's something you maybe get to do on the side if you're lucky and fortunate enough in life. That's, remember, it feels so avant-garde, so European in my mind. I was like, my dad's not going to go with this. He's not going to approve this. So, But I worked up the curves and I planned it out. 7.30 Tuesday night, I'm calling. He'll be home from work at 5. He'll already eaten a meal. He'll probably be having a beer with mom on the couch. We're talking about something. Good time to call dad. He'll be in a good My best chances. And I call him up. He goes, hey, little buddy, what you got? I said, Dad, I've been doing a lot of thinking, and um, I don't want to go to law school. I don't want to become a lawyer. I, I, I want to go to film school. Now, mind you, I'm, I've got a little, I'm sweating at this point, awaiting this, and that was hard to say. That first thing to him, there's a pause, about five seconds, and all of a sudden I hear on the other, the other end of the line, he goes, oh, is that what you want to do? And I said, yes, sir. There's another pause, about five seconds. And then he said, well, <clears throat> don't half-ass it. And I remember just getting chills and, 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 and I think I cried just at hearing my dad not only approve what I wanted to do, but like give me a kick in the backside to say, you not only have my approval, you have the freedom, the privilege, the responsibility of this, go do it. He shot me out. Those three words just made me, shot me out, it launched me like a rocket. And those are the best three words he could have ever said to me. And it was, all, it was awesome at the time. And it was something that, you know, three words that recurred in my life um, later on in many junctures to go, well, if you're going to do this, don't half-ass it. And it's one, it's a good one I think we can all take into certain things, but boy, it was the most beautiful three words he could have given me. So I went to film school. Um, and then after one year of film school in the summer of 92 is when I was in the right bar, right time, got cast, Days Confused, three lines turned into three weeks work. I become David Wooderson in Days Confused, finish that film, go back to film school as a much better filmmaker after the three weeks on the set much better filmmaker, just seeing the practical experiential learning of being on the set and then graduate college, um, get the role in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> that was supposed to be a, a two day, one day role of a guy on a motorcycle doesn't say anything and ended up, I won't tell the whole story because it's in the book, but how I got that role of Vilmer and uh, did that for a month and then drove with my U-Haul and 2000 bucks out West to sleep on the couch of the man I met in that bar that night in 92, Don Phillips. And first two auditions I got in Hollywood, I got the job. Angels in the outfield and boys on the side. Boys on the side, Hank McCann was the very first audition I had in Hollywood. And I got a call back from that audition like two months later to meet with Herbert Ross and read for him and all of a sudden that was while I was shooting Angels in the Outfield um, in Oakland. Um, and yeah, Gift, so. Gifted with some amazing filmmakers early on. You mentioned Herbert Ross and Schumacher and obviously Linklater. I mean, that, that's just, it's a combination of, of luck, an angel on your shoulder or what. But like you, and, you had some good. And the best schools, yeah. the best schools, you know. I mean, look, I always say there's no, there's never been as, the most collaborative set that I've ever been on was Days Confused. And Richard Linklater. You never hear the word no come out of his mouth. Those actors, look, Richard would invite me into scenes, but 
a lot of actors could be like, well, what's, what's the new guy doing here? Well, oh, yeah. they're lobbing me lines, you know, right. Jason, Jason London walks out of the, the pool hall and then somebody Parker Posey goes, where's the party tonight? And she goes, I don't know. Ask Wood. Patience, darling, patience, you know, just, brrr, just kind of, they're lobbing me stuff and I'm just kind of rolling with it, you know, and we'd get to scenes and be like, you know, Rick would come up and go like, you know, so, you know, Wiley Wiggins playing the young guy and, you know, he, he wants to go buy some beer, but we're trying to think like, would he, he was, he'd tell me like, he doesn't know if he'd have the money for beer, but you know, Wooderson, this guy who's worked for the city, you do have some money. Was Wooderson a guy who would maybe loan the young freshman some money to go help get some beer? I'm like, yeah, Wooderson's kind of an all for one, one for all guy. He likes to party. Once everyone have a good time, he's like, okay. And all of a sudden we shoot a scene where Wiley comes up and talks. And then next thing you know, he's over there buying the beer, repeating Wooderson lines like, yeah, working for the city. So it all kind of just poetically unfolded. And that's a great genius of Rick. Of, of of letting magic happen and incorporating people in a, in a in a in a in a scene where it's just like just be yourself. And is it practical? Would you do this? He never yeah. said this is the idea for the scene. He would always ask me, "Do you think Wooderson would be there?" Just like he asked me in the very first scene, "Do you think Wooderson would be interested in a redhead intellectual?" <laughs> yeah, Wooderson likes all kind of girls. Okay, well you know Marissa Rabisi's over here. Maybe you pull up. Blah, 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 blah. It's funny, without being a kind of a kiss and tell book, um, you don't name names in that way. But no. at the same time, it's a, it's, it feels to me, look, some of the tales may be slightly exaggerated, who knows, but it's also a very brutally honest book. I mean, like I, you talk about, for instance, um, again, we've talked about Maconnaissance, right? This insane yeah. run that culminates with the Oscar and True Detective and every award known to man. And you talk about, frankly, like in the years later, like a lot of these movies didn't do well. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, and, and it's, and you've been on the roller coaster a few times now. I'm curious, like you were at the top of the mountain, right? Yeah. For, for Dallas Buyers Club at that, on that Oscar stage. Um, did, did having accumulated some time in the industry and seeing your friends and yourself go up, up and down, make the, 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 the subsequent years a little easier to take when like not everything worked out as much as you would have wanted? Yeah. Well, it's easier to just be a, be experienced. I mean, you, you come to learn in this industry that there's so many components that go into having something that is one, it's a miracle to make a good movie. All right. Two, it's a miracle to have one that actually does well and, 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 and becomes a, a box office hit. Yeah. So there's so many things that, that can happen. And I've continued to take chances with movies that maybe didn't have the backing to get them out there as they should. Maybe, you know, they, they were some, you know, I've still gone at things with a very independent spirit and really try to take even in an independent spirit to a movie like an interstellar and, and, and work with Christopher Nolan, who actually, does work with quite an independent spirit himself, right. even on a big budget movie like that. Um, there's just so many things that, that, I mean, you learn that it's not all on you. So if it works, great. We all want our work to translate. We want it to be shared. We want it to be seen. But if it doesn't, I'm pretty, I've learned to pretty quickly go, well, that's not why you made it. Right. You made it for the experience. You had an experience doing that role, Matthew. You loved the experience and, yeah, it'd be great if it had, if it if it had done better and been in more screens and more people had seen it. But it didn't. Ah, damn it! Well, you weren't doing it for the result. You were doing right. it for the process. You were doing it for the love of acting and the love of inhabiting a character. And so I'm I've learned to very quickly understand that and get relative with that very quickly and go. Now it's harder if you look back and something didn't work, and I look in the mirror and go, 
I know why it didn't work and you're part of that. Now I've got some work to do to go, okay, let's unpack this. We got, so we got to fix something. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of the things that I've done that have not worked. I don't know if I was a part of it not working. I don't know how if I was a part of it not working. So I have a bit of a blind spot of, wait a minute, why did the, we were all so excited. We all loved it for the right reasons. It felt right making it, but now in the third quarter, post-production, marketing, release, here's the table, we declare, would you like to eat our food and watch our movie? People go, nah, that becomes, huh, what's, what's the gap here? Right. In the third quarter, when we go to release, that something's not working. That, that, yeah. sounds, that sounds, without putting movies' names in your mouth, that feels like a gold. That feels like, because I know you guys were very proud of it. You love that yeah. character, for instance. Sure. What, about, what about something? I mean, I talked to you and Idris for Dark Tower, which like, I was so excited for. It had right. all the ingredients, right? Yep. Is there a green light, a lesson out of that red light? That's a good question. Because look, uh, what is... You know, I got into Dark Tower. I, I had been offered to come in and be a part of some other large franchises that were in that realm. Right. That were already off the ground. And I chose to say no. When Dark Tower came along, I was like, oh, I think this is an opportunity to get in at ground, ground level, create a character that could then become possible franchise in success. It did not. Um, I don't know, what is the green light in that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I might've stumped you. We might've gotten Yeah, you, <laughs> you know what? It, 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 it may come later. Sometimes yeah. these green lights come later in, in, in life. Um, you know, there's a challenge when you're doing um, a book that's that successful, Stephen King books, when you have financing and producers that have been invested and know these, this is their, they know these books, these characters, this is their life for decades. Yeah. There's a machine that's already moving and that machine can be a machine that can really motivate and move you hopefully take the train forward to success. But it's also a machine that takes away some of the individual's creative choices. So there were creative choices I want to make in that, that, uh, I many times said, okay, I'm going to hold up the white flag on that one. That's a battle. I'm not going to win. Right. The, so, train, the train had already left the station. Like this train left the station it was... and it was like, well, if you want to do that, McConaughey, we're going to recast. And I had to think, well, maybe that's what I should do. Um, so it's always, a, it's always a, a combination of where do, you, where, do I, where do you make your own choice and go by hook or by crook, this is what I'm doing. Take it or leave it. And when are you a team player? And a lot of other people give great ideas a lot. And I get great ideas from other people all the time, directors, producers all the time, and am open to those. Um, there are many more ways than one to be right, <laughs> you know, or be true. Um, that one didn't really completely work. I, I discovered we share a TV show that we both grew up on. Uh, you were an incredible Hulk fan. Um, I, I mean, that music still makes me like, you just have to play the, the sad, mournful theme that he walks away to in every episode. Your <laughs> tears. Bill Bixby, yes. that's best. Walking down the lonely dirt road. We don't know why he's out in the middle of nowhere, wearing <laughs> pants and a belt and tucked in, but he is. <laughs> yes. some, old, some guys drive by and, hey, let's pick on the, the, the guy that's kind of short. Got his pocket protector in let's pick on that guy because hey we've got nothing else to do we have to be driving by so let's look for some good saturday fun and he <laughs> <laughs> the eyes flash green you wouldn't like me when i'm angry oh, and then the shit hits the fan yes. and you're we're a fan going yes do it 
So you remember he always was it every episode? Did he throw one of those big steel oxygen tanks? Like (laughs) they showed up in every scene, didn't they? Yeah, they had stock footage. I think of him just throwing giant metal canisters that they needed to use. Perigno, thank you. And a lot of torn jeans. They just needed to get into the wardrobe. Um, did uh, you never got your shot at uh, at uh, at Bruce Banner, David Banner, in the show? Nope. Did you? No, did I didn't. Come up? No, I didn't. Jerks. Wanted it. Really? Yeah. Did you throw your hat in the ring? Did he say, "I'm game"? If you guys are. Yep. No kidding. I he said, "No, thank you." That. Oh, can't can't get them all, I guess. But you have <laughs> you you have um. I mean, every conversation I have with actors nowadays, I mean, you were just talking about how tough it is to get films made, how tough it is to make them right. You know as well as I do. I mean, especially given the last year, who knows what the future of the film industry is, what's actually going to be in theaters outside of yeah. superhero films. Is It's a little sobering. Um, I guess, are you still teaching? I mean, I don't know in this current format, but you've been teaching yeah, the last few years. That you t- yeah. 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 What's you know, the- I mean, and a bigger question, we've been dealing with, what else is going to be in theaters besides superhero films for a while? Totally. Pre-COVID. Yeah. Now we have this bigger question of what's going to be in theaters at all. Period. <laughs> How much is this the future? In many ways, I think we need to, and I'm not saying we need to quit the fight. I'm saying, but in many ways, we are living in the future right now. It's going to be hard to go back. It's, there's no, there, it's unrealistic to think we're going back all the way. To what it was, I think. I think it's it's becoming it's going to be more like the theater, don't you think? It's going to be more like a, an event to go to the theater. It's not going. I don't know. There's going to be less out there. I think it's sad for me to say, but um, that may be the reality. Yeah, is it a special event? Someone I was talking with somebody the other day, like, is, is it become the Cinerama Dome again, where these are events that are once a month that it takes a lot to get to them, and you have to get tested to get this collusion and group of people together to go watch, but it's not a, it's not a nightly whenever you want to head down to the theater communal experience. I've heard, yeah. I heard that, uh, that option come up as well. You, you, you end the book with this amazing list that you dug up in the diaries of like the things, things you, uh, the goals in your life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and you, and, and I mean, you checked them all off. It's kind of crazy to look at. You know, I wrote that in 1992. I wrote that two, I think two weeks after finishing Days and Confused. And I, I mean, never looked at it again. That's a, that's a, that's a mind blower. It, it blew my mind. Yeah. Because, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead. I, I forgot. Or did I forget? Obviously, I didn't forget. <laughs> yeah, you manifested these clearly. You were, you were going after them, whether you knew it or not. Do you, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated because as, as a planner, to go back to what we were talking about early on, and it's, you know, we talked a lot about career in this conversation, but I know obviously your life is a lot more than your career. You're first and foremost, you always want to be a dad, you're a dad. Um, what, what are the goals now as you look at the next post 50 years old Matthew McConaughey? Do you think about the next iteration of life and career and, and what does it look like in your head? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely finding myself one of my decision-making paradigms now is, is it a legacy choice? So what's a legacy choice? Meaning a choice of what am I going to put my time in? My, my, my plate's full. I'm creatively turned on. Um, I'm, I'm happy with my relationship with my wife. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm helping raise three young children daily. Um, I, you know, I, life's, my life's full. My desk is, 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 is full. If anything, I have to watch not over leveraging myself. But I am choices I'm making now, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to give him my time and I don't know how to 
half-assed things. Like I get invited, like, hey, can we just put your name on the board? I was like, no, not not if it's just my name. I mean, because I'm gonna I'm gonna read that script. If you're gonna make me an executive producer, I'm gonna I can't help it. I'm gonna get into it. I'm gonna read, and it's gonna take up a lot of my time. I say this all the time to people. Hey, will you read my script? I go, it better be good, because <laughs> to read your script and give you notes takes me about eight hours, and that's a half of my day. So it better be good, because if it's not. I'm not reading another one if, if, you, if you offer it up. So is this really the one you want to give me? Um, because I don't read, it's not for me to read and take notes. It's not an hour and a half. Read, it's eight hours. So what choices can I make now that, again, I'm going to be happy a month, a year, 10 years, 20, on my deathbed with my eulogy to look back at, that I can hand off to my children that they can keep alive the foundation that they can hand off to their children and they can keep a lot. Um, so what are those things, what are the choices and things I can get involved with now that will go on living past longer than I will? Um, some of the, you know, is that, is that movies? Well, not always movies, a capsule. It does outlive the films we make and the movies we make and the art we make outlives us all. They're permanent. We're not. Um, but I'm talking about the show that I'm interested in right now that I'm trying to challenge myself daily to, to, to chase down and, 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 and be my favorite character in is the big show. The one we're all in. Life. The one where the recorder is always on. Where, there, where action was said a long time ago. <laughs> and yeah. cut won't be said until we're gone. That show is the one I'm like going, we got one take. There's no audition for this one. We got one take every single moment. Here we go. Wow. This is cool. Well, the, the themes of the book really resonate. You know, it's about red lights and green lights. The book's called Green Lights. I mean, this last year has been kind of a green light. For, I mean, a red light, rather, for all of us. We all sure. had to take a pause. So yeah. I think there's there's a lot of lessons in here. As you say, it's not an advice book, but it is. there are some lessons to be learned from the way you've lived your life and the way you've embraced adventure and love and and passion it's kind of it's it's a uh, it's admirable and um and I, I just enjoyed the hell out of it man uh you, oh, you cool what i mean one other thing before i let you go that I, i'm curious about you know your dad um went out in a very unique fascinating way and he predicted it himself yeah you have all these bumper sticker slogans you talk about have you thought about yeah. which which one goes on the tombstone? You got a, a wide selection. What's oh, what's the last what's the last message that Matthew McConaughey wants to impart to the universe? Oh, it's got to say something about fatherhood. It's got to say something about that I have and do feel at home in the world. Um, you know, I write there's 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 stories in there about you know giving a, a place and a person the time the justified amount of time places I've traveled, you know, we go places literally physically we go places and we go places in our mind in our heart sometimes where we're like, it gets very uncomfortable. And I gotta, I gotta pull the parachute. I gotta abort this issue. I gotta get out. I gotta leave. I gotta get my ticket home. This ain't for me. I've taken some honor through a lot of honor through my life of going to a place and going, even if I'm uncomfortable in this situation or in this relationship, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to really see if I can dig deep enough to see, find the green lights in it. All right. That are enough so that I can go, okay, I could live here. This could be my existence. And then, and only then do I feel it's time. It's okay to go. Well, now I can leave. Thank you. 
I highly recommend uh, anybody uh, curious what it's like to, to live life as Matthew McConaughey for a few hours or a few days <laughs> to buy green lights. There's a lot, there's a lot of wisdom in there. I, I had a blast with it, man. And as I said, um, I'm so honored to uh, take up at least one paragraph in your book and part of the journey. <laughs> you sure do, man. That was that. <laughs> is, I'm very happy to be talking to you uh, today because yes, you were there. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>